This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of neurofibroma from the pathology section on orthobullets.com. Neurofibromas are benign nerve sheath tumors with multiple cell types, which are fibroblasts, the predominant cell, non-myelinating Schwann cells, and perineural cells. Non-myelinating Schwann cells are the cell of origin, and keep in mind that neurofibromas arise from this cell. It's important to differentiate neurofibroma from a schwannoma, which involves a Schwann cell alone. As far as the molecular biology of a neurofibroma, these lesions arise in non-myelinating Schwann cells with biallelic inactivation of the NF1 tumor suppressor gene. The molecular biology of neurofibroma involves the loss of expression of the protein neurofibromin. Neurofibromin negatively regulates the RAS-mediated pathway, and loss of neurofibromin leads to an increased RAS activity. This affects RAS-dependent MAP kinase activity, which is essential for osteoclast function and survival. Another aspect of the molecular biology of neurofibromas is rapid hyperplasia of non-myelinating Schwann cells into neurofibromas after NF1 inactivation. This recruits perineural cells, fibroblasts, mast cells, and endothelial cells. Now, let's go over the difference between a sporadic neurofibroma and neurofibromatosis. Sporadic neurofibromas are peripheral nervous system tumors of the extremities, while neurofibromatosis has a tendency to be found near the spinal cord slash brain in the central nervous system and uncommon locations like the parotid glands and the tongue. Sporadic neurofibromas are found in the 20 to 40 age group, while neurofibromatosis is found in the less than 20 age group. Remember that the inheritance of neurofibromatosis is autosomal dominant, and the genetics involve chromosome 17Q11.2. As far as the classification of neurofibromatosis, there are two main subtypes, dermal neurofibromas and plexiform neurofibromas. Dermal neurofibromas arise from a single peripheral nerve, while a plexiform neurofibroma arises from multiple nerve bundles. Dermal neurofibromas are described as fusiform swelling of the nerve, while plexiform neurofibromas are described as a, quote, bag of worms, which manifests as tortuous enlargement of nerves. As far as associations, dermal neurofibromas are 90% sporadic and 10% arise in NF1, while plexiform neurofibromas are pathognomonic of NF1. Onset of dermal neurofibromas is at puberty, while onset of plexiform neurofibromas is early childhood. Dermal neurofibromas do not become malignant, while 10% of plexiform neurofibromas become malignant, specifically malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumor or neurofibrosarcoma. There are two main types of Schwann cells, myelinating and non-myelinating. Myelinating Schwann cells covers large diameter peripheral nervous system axons with myelin, while non-myelinating Schwann cells covers small diameter peripheral nervous system axons with cytoplastic processes. Remember that non-myelinating Schwann cells are responsible for neurofibromatosis. As far as the presentation of neurofibromas, patients can be asymptomatic or have symptoms of stinging, itching, pain, and or disfiguration. On physical exam, you may find that these patients have reduced sensation, cutaneous lesions which can, quote, buttonhole through a skin defect using finger pressure. And finally, it's important to look for the signs of neurofibromatosis 
and two out of seven signs in the NIH criteria is diagnostic for neurofibromatosis. And these signs include two or more neurofibromas or one plexiform neurofibroma, axillary or groin freckling, otherwise known as Crohn's sign, six or more Coast of California Cafe Olay spots, which are five millimeters in diameter in prepubertal patients and greater than 15 millimeters in diameter in postpubertal patients. Other signs include sphenoid wing dysplasia or thinning of the long bone cortex, which can manifest as anterolateral tibial bowing, for example, two or more Lisch nodules or iris hamartomas on slit lamp examination, optic glioma, and finally, a first-degree relative with NF1. Things that are associated with NF1 include dystrophic kyphoscoliosis, rib penciling, intraspinal neurofibromas and dumbbell lesions, dural ectasia, and meningiomas. As far as imaging, MRI with and without contrast is the study of choice. And an MRI is useful to differentiate schwannoma from neurofibroma. Schwannomas are found eccentric to the nerve fibers, while solitary neurofibromas are found central to the nerve fibers. The nerve continuity sign is a fusiform tumor in continuity with the neurovascular bundle. A split fat sign is a fusiform tumor surrounded by a thin margin of fat because the mass within the neurovascular bundle enlarges and displaces the adjacent intramuscular fat. And finally, the target sign is a lesion of high signal intensity peripherally and low signal centrally on the coronal stir image. Finally, just a word about PET-CT in the setting of a neurofibroma. This imaging shows increased uptake and can help determine if malignant transformation has occurred. This has been a tested point on previous exams, so I'll say it again. A PET-CT in the setting of a neurofibroma will show increased uptake and can help determine if malignant transformation has occurred. Characteristics of cells on histology for neurofibroma include that they are hypocellular, they're predominantly fibroblasts, they're mixed Schwann cells, mast cells, and lymphocytes, and cells are elongated with wavy nuclei. The stroma will be a rich wire-like collagen fiber network, and there may be mixoid. Other characteristics of neurofibroma on histology include distorted structures resembling Pacini or Meisner corpuscles, and there's variable S100 staining. The differential diagnosis for neurofibroma include malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumor or neurofibrosarcoma, schwannoma, Wilms tumor, melanoma, leukemia, rhabdomyosarcoma, and pheochromocytoma. Malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumor or neurofibrosarcoma is seen in 5% of patients with neurofibromatosis with a 10 to 25% lifetime risk. Symptoms include painful, enlarging soft tissue masses, and these malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumors usually arise from plexiform neurofibromas. And remember that 10% of plexiform neurofibromas transform into malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumors or neurofibrosarcoma. It's also important to remember that malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumors or neurofibrosarcomas are associated with loss of expression of CDKN2A or TP53 genes in non-myelinating Schwann cells that also have biallelic inactivation of NF1. Malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumors or neurofibrosarcomas have a poor prognosis as they are associated with widespread metastasis and a high rate of local recurrence. Treatment of neurofibromas can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management involves observation if the patient is asymptomatic, and operative options include surgical excision, which is indicated if the patient is symptomatic. 
Keep in mind that these patients may require nerve grafting. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, a 41-year-old female with a history of neurofibromatosis type 1, undifferentiated pleomorphic sarcoma, status post-resection, and multiple brain aneurysms presents for routine surveillance for her undifferentiated pleomorphic sarcoma. A whole-body PET-CT scan shows a left-sided subcutaneous thigh neurofibroma and a right-sided intramuscular neurofibroma. She reports that she is concerned about the multiple nodules she has on her skin and subcutaneous tissues. Apart from assessing for local recurrence of her sarcoma, what information can the PET-CT potentially distinguish? And the choices are 1. Undifferentiated pleomorphic sarcoma versus malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumors. 2. Infectious lesions versus tumors. 3. Malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumors versus benign neurofibromas. 4. Radiation-sensitive tumors versus radiation-resistant tumors. And 5. Mucinous adenocarcinoma versus renal cell carcinoma. The correct answer to this question is 3. Malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumors versus benign neurofibromas. So PET-CT can be used to identify malignant transformation of neurofibromas. To quickly review, neurofibromatosis is an autosomal dominantly inherited disorder that predisposes the patient to an almost four times higher risk of cancer. Positron emission tomography, which is typically F18-FDG PET, can evaluate tumor glucose metabolism. The degree of glucose uptake, which is based on tissue radioactivity, is quantified in the standard uptake value, or SUV. PET scans are useful in patients with neurofibromatosis who have multiple neurofibromas throughout their bodies as it can detect malignant transformation of benign neurofibromas to malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumors by quantifying an increased glucose metabolism, signifying increased proliferation, undifferentiation, and metastasis. Derlin et al. compared the effectiveness of whole-body MRI with 18F-FDG PET-CT in detecting malignant transformation in 31 patients with neurofibromatosis. PET-CT was found to have a sensitivity of 100%, while MRI was 67% sensitive. Tumor size, SUV max, SUV mean, and heterogeneity were all associated with malignant transformation. Vandergut et al. reported on 40 patients with neurofibromatosis type 1 who had lesions evaluated by PET-CT. They found that certain parameters measurable on PET-CT were predictive of malignant transformation. Maximum standard uptake value, or an SUV of greater than 4.5, total lesion glycolysis, or a TLG greater than 377, and total metabolic tumor volume, or a TMTV of greater than 88 cubic centimeters, were predictive of malignant transformation, with the most predictive being total lesion glycolysis. The study demonstrates that total lesion glycolysis and total metabolic tumor volume can be used to identify malignant transformation and predict survival. And moving on to the final question, a 40-year-old man presents with a six-year history of forearm mass and episodic sharp forearm pain. A T1-weighted axial MRI shows a well-defined heterogeneous soft tissue mass in the location of the median nerve that is iso-intense to slightly hyper-intense to adjacent muscle. A coronal stir image shows a fusiform, diffusely hyper-intense soft tissue mass surrounded by a thin, low-signal intensity margin. What is the most likely diagnosis? And the choices are 1. Soft tissue sarcoma, 
two, soft tissue metastasis, three, hematoma, four, abscess, and five, nerve sheath tumor. The correct answer to this question is five, nerve sheath tumor. So to quickly review, schwannomas arise from the Schwann cells of a peripheral nerve and are found eccentric to the nerve fibers and is encapsulated by perineurium. Solitary neurofibromas are fusiform lesions with a centrally entering and exiting nerve. They lack a capsule and cannot be separated from normal nerve fibers. Bargava et al. reviewed the target sign in T2-weighted MR images of 23 neurofibromas or malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumors. The target sign was seen in all 12 neurofibromas and one of the 11 malignant peripheral nerve sheath tumors. Utani et al. reviewed intraneural ganglion cysts in three patients. This lesion was most common in the common perineal nerve, presents with signs and symptoms of compression of the involved nerve, and has low signal on T1-weighted images and high signal on T2-weighted images. They tend to be long, that is 2 to 15 centimeters. That's all for this review about neurofibromas. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.